Welcome to Talking in Stations, a show about EVE Online. I'm your host, Artemis Albosa. Joining me on the show today, we have the head of the Convocation of Empyreans, as well as the host of the EVE Universe podcast, Ashtar Rothi. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashtar Rothi, and it is good to see you. Happy Totality Day! Oh, is Next it week. Totality Day? Okay, good. Next week on the 13th. It. Isn't there usually no, like a the, big, in, yeah. big brawl or something in Pochfan? I think that the player celebrations have already started, but the official, like, full-on day is the 13th. Awesome. Well, mark my calendar. Also joining us on the show today, we have Gregorin, a line, uh, excuse me, a line member from Pandemic Legion. Hi. Welcome. So we've got a couple of topics on the show today. To begin with, we're going to look at some capital brawls that have been going on down in low sack, which Gungoran has been keeping track of us for, or been keeping track for us. And then Ash Tarathi is going to help us deep dive into the lore of what's been going on with the current arc and what that tells us about the future of what's coming for EVE Online. We have a question in chat, Ash Tarathi. What are your pronouns? He or they, either way. Awesome. He or they. There you go, Alice and Hi Space Gator. Everybody in the chat, lovely to have you here. We are recording a little late just because the Alliance tournament just wrapped up. We aren't going to be giving you any spoilers during the show, so don't worry. You have time to go catch those in the Twitch VOD or on YouTube. But let's go ahead and get started with Gregorin and talking about what's been going on with Wrecking Crew, right? Right. Yeah, historically, Wrecking Crew was low sec hot droppers but over the past couple of years they've become a a sov holding coalition in the null sec near their traditional low sec homelands especially taking over providence awesome so, and who are they fighting they're fighting against deepwater hooligans which is an alliance they're they've formed like early in 2020 i think they're one of the more prominent non-sob holding case-based pvp alliances these days i sort of get the impression that deepwater hooligans are an amalgamation of like x dread bomb so xrc and then also gosh who were those low set groups it was dock workers and there was somebody else who also well, so- disbanded some of the a lot of they've gotten a lot of people since they formed a lot of former members of Dreadbomb when Dreadbomb disbanded around a year ago they they were one of the they took in a few Dreadbomb corporations like if you look at the September 26th battle report in in Fasbara where or Deepwater dropped their super capital fleet. Most of their Titans and, well, almost all of their Titans and looks like more than half of their supers are corporations that are former Dreadbomb. Awesome. So let's like just get started right into these battle reports because we've seen a surprising number of Dreads and even supers in LOSAC. So the one happening on the 26th, we've got Deepwater Hooligans, supers on the battle report, Wrecking Crew, they have a lot of dead Dreads. The total numbers for this was almost 500 billion is killed, but only like 400 pilots on the show. So what's the, what's the word? How did this one go down? that that looks like it was a pretty bloody fight then yeah absolutely 
What's interesting about that fight is, like, it being in low sec, there's no bubbles or anything like that. So, keeping these things committed to the field. Absolutely, and I, I yeah, suspect but once, that's... Go ahead, once they on. siege up, they're not going anywhere for a couple minutes. Right, you gotta get work done quick. And boy, supers are good at killing capitals quickly, aren't they? Yeah, and Dreadbomb was one of the key alliances in RC's transformation from the low-sec hot droppers to what they are now, which is kind of the smallest of the major sov-holding coalitions, I guess you could say it. I mean, anytime your opponent is dropping as many super capitals as, you're, as you have dreads, it's a bad day. Yeah. This is very true. And this sort of kicked off a chain of fights that we're going to go through. So I think the next was October 4th, right? There's, yeah, there's one from the 4th. This one's kind of smaller numbers, still in the two to 300 range, so decent-sized fights. But again, we had capitals on the field, and it looks like Tempest Fleet issues are being flown a lot as well. What's the deal with the Tempest Fleet issue doctrine? That has... Typically, that has been one of the more popular faction battleship doctrines in recent years. The the Mimitar hull has, you know, RT, which is really high alpha. Faction ships, generally speaking, have a application bonus. Those aren't RT, though. Those are autocannon. Awesome. Yeah, well, if that's gonna... fine. It's, it's still, its tracking bonus is going to be good, and materials are really expensive. Yeah, if you're going to fly faction battleships that EHP's use too, yeah. guns they're the faction battleships that use projectile guns they'll either be materials or tfis and materials these days most people are probably not going to think they're worth the cost and as jita pointed out also in chat faction ships the other thing that they're good at is they have additional tank so these things are also going to be very you know hard to kill comparatively yeah and that additional tank in low sec you you might as well fly a fancy amulet or nirvana implant set and go ahead and those amulets increase your armor buffer nirvanas increase your shield buffer and in low sec since there are no bubbles it's a lot harder to lose the pod if you get killed I'm also noticing the, the mid-slots across the different sides are a bit different. It looks like Wrecking Crew is preferring to go with more tracking and application with some tracking computers, but on Snuffed Out and Deepwater Hooligans, they are opting for Minmatar Jam in the hopes of taking some of the DPS from Wrecking Crew off the field. And even the rare... Is that a target spectrum breaker, but the new, the new name for it? The... Signature radius suppressor? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that fit to a ship. How does this module work? I think it reduces your signature radius. Like, I so, I have not looked into it. So the way much. it... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically on it. So your signature radius is effectively how big you are, right? Like, as far as all of the calculations to scan you down to hit you, whatever. Like, you're just a giant sphere the size of your signature radius. This reduces your signature radius passively just by being on you and then has an active version that suppresses it by even more. So if you're being shot at a lot and you're able to move relatively quickly, you can pop that thing and sig tank them for a little while. 
And these it also, are also helps you not get probed down. They're restricted to just battleships, right? Because it would be kind of yeah. OP to have that. Correct. Hack. It's a battleship only ability. They they used to have their own the the spectrum breaker that you're talking about, but that has been removed completely and was replaced with this module. Awesome. Yeah, the target spectrum breaker was kind of like an E war, an ECM for the. Yeah, kind of scaled up how powerful it was based on the number of other enemies that were targeting you, right? Right. right. It's, the, the function of it was Mr. Hyde didn't like the fact that he kept being like swarmed by a bunch of frigates, right? So that was the idea, was that a battleship that was being overwhelmed by a lot of smaller targets would have a tool against that. God, I still remember when he was on CSM and he went to the CCP office in the whiteboards, he wrote, and the Forget Menace or whatever it was. Those were good times. All right, so that was the October 4th fight. Again, we just have these two groups going at each other, Wrecking Crew versus Deepwater Hooligans. No caps from Wrecking Crew that time, but Deepwater Hooligans definitely brought them out. And that's going to be a running theme as we continue on forward to the fight that happened on the 7th. This one was another, like, similar numbers, a little bit smaller this time, less than 200 across, but we still had a lot of ships lost. Looks like this time, though, Wrecking Crew changed it up. They were trying to defend a Tartara, which, for those unfamiliar, is a refinery, but it's the large version. So think Ford Azar, but refinery, worth quite a bit of isk there, and they defended it with a couple of long-range ravens. It is also the largest of the refineries. Refineries don't have an extra large version. So the reason why you have one of these things is because it it actually does it. Like an Asbel will let you build things that a Raitaru can't. But in this case, like the Tatara gets just better bonuses. So it'll refine better, etc. It'll have better reactions yield. Yep. Awesome. Indeed, we can see that the, the rigs on this one, which the rigs for Citadels are always very expensive. We have one for reprocessing and one for reactor efficiency. The reactor efficiency, I forget, is that drug reactions. reactions? Or is it all of so, them? Uh, the, okay, so remember, it, as you step up in size categories when it comes to structures, like things get lumped together. Yeah, so and Athenor, it's all of them. And Athenor's rigs, would it be differentiated between drug reactions, T2 reactions, and T3 reactions, but a Tatara's rigs, it just has one that covers all three types of reaction. Yep. Right on. So Likewise, that, that refining one, a, an Athenor would need to choose between asteroid, moon, or you know something like that, whereas the Tatara just gets to slap on a refining rig. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not sure, but I would suspect that back before RC he held a lot of solve, back when they were mainly a low-sec group, this was a huge source of income for them, both in um, moon mining and in reacting the moon ore. Absolutely. And another... In sorry. An another interesting bonus of having a Tatara over an Athenor here is that the, after the latest changes now, an Athenor only gets two chances. You get one shot at a timer, whereas the Tatara gets two timers. Yeah, absolutely. 
And Gregorin, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a theme with these fights is they're happening because Deepwater Hooligans is coming in and reinforcing some of these high-value structures, and then Wrecking Crew is showing up to defend them. Is that accurate? Uh, that that sounds about right. There were also some fights in Lama, which is where RC has a keep star there. I think they it's they've I don't think they've managed to successfully anchor a Fortazar that they on the Keepstar grid though. Oh, and so they've well, been trying to to put up siege structures even. Yeah. They've been like I haven't been down in Derelict recently, but I remember the main RC Keepstar in Kamal a couple of years ago had a huge number of structures anchored all around the Athnors anchored all around the grid to make it you had to be further away to anchor a siege for Tazar. Right on. Yeah, it looks like rec- the most recent fight that I could find happening was in the early September. So it's been about a month, but there were lots of capitals dropped. And it looks like a war of fighters, which is typically how things go on Keepstar grids. We have a member of chat, Chita, I guess, who's asking about the name of the Kamal Keepstar. I don't remember it. I used to live there, but I, I, it might have changed and I just don't remember. I'm sorry. It's a vulgar joke, Kamal Toe. Oh, okay. Very edgy. Congratulations. All right, but on to even more battles. This was the most recent one, and also another big and bloody battle. This time we had Snuffed Out joining on the side of Deepwater Hooligans, and then of course Wrecking Crew on the other side. We were back up to the four to 500 participant range. And this one we actually have quite a few videos of, so I'm going to go ahead and get one of those playing in the background. Will you tell us about this one, Gregorin? Well, well, Snuffed Out is a longtime enemy of RC that you... They have a... Well, they have a very old rivalry. Like, so, if there's a big fight in Losec and RC is on one side you'll you can expect snuffed out to eventually show up on the other side if it lasts long enough i don't and i distinctly remember seeing and even if you look at the report it's interesting the way that the numbers shake out so on the wrecking crew side they had 387 members but then for snuffed out and deepwater hooligans i was only 125 so you're outnumbered at least two to one and even still, Deepwater Hooligans came out on top in terms of the number of ISK destroyed and the number of ships destroyed. And some of the people on RC's side are people who you really don't expect to see on the same side. Oh yeah, like who? The Initiative and Northern Coalition. Ah, fair enough. Those aren't alliances that I think of as historically friendly with each other. Well, I mean, if I run through the list, in my head of like the organizations in eve that will bring historically historical enemies together to fight against the imperium comes to mind right goon swarm of course and then snuffed out is number two on my list like when snuff out shows up a lot of groups will be like hey let's just shoot them because of their history with low sec and just bashing anybody and everybody they've made lots and lots of enemies. their play style is they want to be the bad guys of eve and they're good at it does that seem like a fair description of them i yeah i agree absolutely all right 
Is there anything else that we want to mention about this fight between Wrecking Crew and Deepwater? From my perspective, it certainly seems like it is just heating up. This is only going to get bigger, especially as there's that consistency of capital brawls happening. That's what's going to attract these other groups, the Pandemic Legions, the Northern Coalition, the Imperium, Snuffed Out, etc. What do you think, Gorn? Yeah, I, I don't know if pandemic legion will go down there and if i did know i wouldn't be allowed to say it fair enough but i think people like dread brawls and as long as long as people can afford to keep throwing them at each other this will continue the thing about low sec is unlike like null sec has a very definitive end right I can win the saw fight and kick you out of the saw, and now I have won. And most people don't, most of the time, they don't, like, continue to try to fight for the same system. However, in low sec, there is no saw, there is no control, it's only by force of sheer will. So, these fights, like, rivalries last for, for years, decades, <laughs> around here. Like, one of the alliances on the... <laughs> On the RC side, which is Shadow Cartel, they are an old rival of Snuffed Out. <laughs> Nowadays, they're not quite what they were I, a few years ago, but they've had a resurgence over the past two years or so. Yeah, to put it into perspective, when Aderon first took Liet back in like 2012-2013, it was Shadow Cartel in Old Man Star and snuff in you know the tama area and we kind of survived by being in the middle so if it, if one attacked the other would come to mess with them and we just happened to be the fighting field <laughs> and awesome. one of the one of the alliances that has a couple of people on the rc side is curatoris veritatis alliance not who i would expect to be friendly with rc and an alliance that has in the past, bit fight, fought on the side of snuffed out against RC. Yeah, see, for those that's the other thing about low sec fights, though, especially so low sec still has crime watch. So low sec fights will drop into um, into tie dye, not as fast as in high sec, but faster than in null sec, right? Because yeah. there's suspect flags and stuff. So that means that the fights also last a long time, and you're in low sec, like. It's just filled with sharks. So third party is always going to happen. So CVA may not have even been coordinating with them. They just might have been in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. If, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, they have been friendly with Triumvirate over the past year or so. And Triumvirate is associated with Red Menace Coalition, and they are friendly with RC. Yeah, and to give a bit of a history with why CVA, you wouldn't expect them to be fighting alongside RC. It's because the current space that RC, Wrecking Crew, occupies is Providence. And that was formerly the home of Provi Block, which CVA was sort of like the executor alliance. They, like, if you thought Provi Block, you thought CVA. And that was their home for many, many, many years until Wrecking Crew came in and took it over. Fun yeah. fact. CVA is the oldest alliance in EVE Online. I thought Ushrakhan was, and CVA oh, was the it, second oldest. Was it that it? Oh, shit. I might have had them back. I might have them backwards. They're one of the two. <laughs> it is. I thought it was, they were the one. 
I can't remember because one thing was true about one and the other. Either way, they they go back and forth about it. Yeah, it, it, and isn't Pi the oldest uh, corporation in the game? So the Min- that's what uh, I meant. Was Pi? Minbatar have <laughs> the oldest meant. alliance? The Amar. That's have what the it was. Corporation. That's what it was. Thank you. That that's that's actually the answer. Yeah, and I distinctly recall when RC first took over the space, first took over Providence, they made a big deal about one of the faction Fortazars, which of course used to be a player-built station. It was built by Ushrakhan. Is that the Nayuai one? Yes, I believe so. And RC made a big deal of like turning control of that faction Fortazar back over to Ushra Khan after their space was liberated from the Amar menace and CVA and probably Block. It's also worth noting that these are two of the most like hardcore RP groups. You know, CVA less so, but Pi and Ushra Khan and all these guys, like these guys take their RP very, very seriously and have since the beginning. Yeah, it's absolutely great stuff. All right, before we get too deep into the lore, though, I do want to cover one more battle that was going on, and this time Pandemic Legion was there. This one was happening in x Tac, and I might have lost the BR. One moment. I lost the BR. Let me find that. Well, Gregorin, what happened in x Tac 7? Well, I, I was there, and there was originally a... Sp- a Spectre Fleet event a couple systems away where Spectre Fleet and Brave were fighting and well, Spectre Fleet brought out a Nyx. After that fight finished up, we reshipped from the retributions that we had been in into Paladins and fought over a I think it was an Athenor timer in X-Tac 7. Yeah. X-Tac 7 is historically one of the big systems in New Eden with a lot of fighting going on. Why is that? Well, Pure Blind is one of the border regions, and it, it the unique thing about Pure Blind is that it has two NPC pockets, <laughs> one of which is centered around X-Tac 7, so there are NPC stations in here, and it is close to Losec, and the geography of well, both gates and jump ranges makes it a natural border region between <laughs> coalitions. Absolutely, and that, that fact of them being an NPC area of space had more importance in the past, but is still important now, especially if you're trying to either just harass the residents of that area or the surrounding regions, or if you're trying to actually invade. Because especially pre-Citadels, like the NPC stations in X-Tac 7 and the surrounding systems, those would be key staging areas for groups looking to invade or harass. And even now that we have citadels, so a group is more likely to anchor their own, what you'll see is that in sovereignty systems, there are mechanics in play that the higher the, I believe it's the strategic index, so however long the holding alliance has held it, the longer an anchor timer will be for any other group. And so if you try to anchor any sort of like beachhead structures, the defenders will have a lot of time to defend unless you're anchoring it in one of these NPC systems. And you also... It's also, it's, it, sorry, when you anchor it, 
that anchor timer, like the final timer happens at the end of the anchoring. So a longer anchoring also means more time for your opponent or the defenders to find it and organize a defense to kill it before it even finishes anchoring. And and it, once the ADMs are high enough, you cannot anchor medium structures, which is Astra, Us, Raitaru, and Athenor. So you need to, if you want to drop a beachhead structure in hostile space, you might need to invest something more expensive in that. Gotcha. Which is I'd... why in March or April of last year, when there was fighting going on in the 1DQ pocket of Delve, and in fake Aquarius, it was a lot of it was dropping Asbels in the in that pocket as rather than being something the, cheaper. The cheapest large structure, right? Yeah. Right on. I do want to quickly note with the whole Brave Spectre Fleet Nyx event, the Nyx was dropped next to the Brave Keepstar. But this wasn't an attempt to kill the Keepstar, it was an attempt to defend the Nyx from a Dread Bomb. Of course, Keepstars being very deadly to hostile caps on their grid, and battleship fleets as well. So the event was supposed to be Frigates versus the Nyx, and by placing the Nyx on that Keepstar, they made sure that they could effectively defend from anybody trying to spoil the party. But then, of yeah. course, the after party had no such protections, so tell us about that. Yeah, there was a few systems away in X-Tac 7. There was an Athenor timer. It was either an Athenor or an Astrohus. It was, it was an me Athenor, medium yeah. structure that begins with A. Oh, my Alliance Pandemic Legion and a Horde Sig that is also in the area were in Paladins. We were heavily outnumbered for most of this fight against multiple hack fleets from Brave and We Form Blob mainly and a Nightmare fleet from Volta. Yeah, so those are all alliances who people generally associate with GTC, Greater Trash Community slash Coalition, depending on your persuasion. And they have recently been banding together more closely in a fight against Fraternity, who weren't actually in this battle, to my knowledge. Yeah, Fraternity, they showed up pr pretty late. I saw them on grid pretty late in the fight with a Cerberus fleet. People have accused Panfam of deploying to as Fraternity's bat phone, but I've shot at Fraternity a few times in the past couple of weeks, so I'm not sure how true that is. Fair enough. So looking at this battle report, it's very wide. We have to spread it out because there were lots of people involved and various different sides. We had about even numbers between the two main groups, GTC yeah. plus Brave and Pandemic Legion. And again, Although, it was Paladins versus A lot of that was a Pandemic Horde Bunin fleet, which, didn't, which formed out of drones and didn't arrive until pretty late in the fight. Understood. Okay. So definitely some good brawls going on both up yeah, it was north a lot of, and down It was south. a lot of fun. Like, even though my side bled pretty hard, as you can see, since we, while we killed more ships than the other side did, our ships were very expensive. It was a lot of fun. The classic paladin problem. All right. Well, let's shift our focus then from 
player happenings and ongoing battles in Nullsec, back to Losec and Ashtarothi. We brought you on to hopefully talk a little bit more about the lore of what's been happening with these faction warfare events. RC was on previously, talked a lot about mechanics and a lot about especially faction warfare specifically. But I'd like to talk a bit because you have some interesting thoughts on the technology that we're learning about through this lore and what that could mean going forward. Yeah. Okay. So that's good to know that Arcia went over the mechanics, so that way I don't have to bother with that. So both sides kind of have their own story. The Othanun side is important because there was a few months where, or at least a month or so, where we got some news in the background that there was Triglavian activity being discovered and or denied within Othanun on the storm planets of Surthold, which is their, the constellation Othanun is in, and other stuff like that. And then one day, the an Edencom structure began decloaking and recloaking, like its cloaking system began to fail and just above Othanun 5, which triggered a series of events which led to us getting footage of a camera drone <clears throat> on the planet, searching around, seeing one of the Triglavian like structures, towers, and then getting shot at by a Triglavian drone. So uh, obviously Edencom has been here investigating, you know, supervising this, or like surveying this for a little while. Something went wrong. Everybody inside was dead. Hard to say. So that led to both sides. Both the Galente and the Caldari began in secret without telling anybody. New Stargates. We have one in Samanuni in the Caldari system and one in Amignon for the Glente. Yeah, Amignon, that system was until, or I think earlier, or this, early this year, that was the main system of EVE University. So when I was a brand new player, I lived there and probably a lot of other people over the years. Spoilers. No. That is, so the, the interesting thing about Amignon is that that is the most interesting thing about it, right? Like, Samanuni, by contrast, is incredibly important. It is an Edencom fortress, but it is the Edencom fortress that the current CEP chairman, i.e. the de facto head of the Caldaria at the moment, he became famous by leading the defense to fortify that structure or that system. And he is a populist, authoritarian... It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, he, you can see the, the Caldari video where he's giving the speech and making references to the war hero Toby to Tobel. I think ah, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Either way. So it's interesting that these two systems, like it's obvious why Samanuni would be chosen. Uh, I am driving myself up a wall trying to figure out why Amy would be chosen. A the only significant thing about Amy is that it was the Eve Uni campus for a while. Yeah, they, um, they consolidated all their Empire Space stuff into Stackmon earlier this year, but before then, their main high-sec place was Amignon. Yeah. And I don't think there's ever been anything important about Amignon otherwise. Nope. But right next to it is Jafit. Jafit is, is one actually an important fortresses. system. It is an Edencom fortress. It's adjacent to Losec. 
And there's a lot of other reasons why it would be really awesome, which is kind of interesting why it's not the one that was chosen. Either way, they neared their completion of the gates, and that is when the orders to begin this event fired off. So that's what we're doing, is that we're if we can finish our side, Othanun's side of the gate, then the gate on, on their side will be able to be active when we own the system. So... On the Amar side, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, and as you know, with the Triglavian stuff, it's the idea is, is that they want control over the system because it's clearly, you know, it, it is valuable intelligence. In fact, actually, what we can see in Hoboleaks is that we're about to see a stage two, more or less, where the Galente Caldari side will also get Triglavians or data sites which are Triglavian in nature, and they have to return them to Amy and Sam. So the side... I appreciate these short names that I can remember I know. them. Yeah, E. Uni always called it Amy as well. So the side that has that Stargate, or that this, a Stargate built in that system, and owns that system during that event, will be able to jump directly from the constellation to the system that you drop the sheets off in directly through Amy, oh. which is which is a huge advantage if you think about it. But I digress. On the other side, this is where we get a bigger clue as to what actually is going on. The, the Amar have built three stellar transmuters. What is a stellar transmuter and why should I care? That sounds so, like a Triglavian thing. Yeah, so during invasions, as invasions began to ramp up, like before the actual stealing of the suns, they started experimenting with things called stellar accelerators, which were these big structures that pointed at the star. It was built on, this, it was built on a star grid, and uh, it would cause an effect in, on, in the systems. Now, when we got to Invasions Chapter 3, what we saw was a much grander version of basically the same thing, that shoots a giant laser beam at the star, which is what causes it to become sick. And those are called the Das Porvitium transmuter. Okay? So, now, during Invasions, Chapter 3, basically, we, we both Edencom and, and, and the Trigla pro-Triglavians fought for control and, and pushed the, the control bar to their side. The first team to push it all the way to their side would, if the system was able to be progressed, which not every system was able to like actually have this happen to, those who weren't became a minor victory for that team. But either way, if it could progress, then it would go into either second and final liminality or bulwark, well, first, second, and final liminality. And then, uh, shoot, bulwark and fortress. There's one other minor stage in, on the on the Edencom side, but you get what I'm saying. So when you go into first and second liminality, it builds the transmuter, and it gets bigger each stage during invasions. However, Edencom accomplished something that the Triglavians had thought was impossible, literally impossible, which was that the Triglavians pulled the system into first liminality, but then Edencom with Arcia, came in and pulled it back and fortified it. 
which left one of these transmuters in um in under Amarian control and now an Edencom fortress. About three months ago, I think it was, the Amar built structures around their the actual the captured transmuter. And this made people very nervous. So it seems that the the Amar have now studied the transmuter and are attempting experimenting with their own versions of it. And they have chosen occupied systems under, uh, for, that are Mimitar systems because if something goes horribly, horribly wrong, it's not their space. Like, it's not their star, right? Like, this is, they're, using, they're treating them like the slums, right? <clears throat> so they're Fair doing enough, their dangerous yeah. experiments over there. In fact, it's actually kind of interesting. Like, diplomacy has failed now so badly that even Interbus, which is the you know neutral transportation company, the one that runs asset safety, it's being torn apart because the empires can't agree on what to do about the systems controlled by or you know in the these Turner, Vard, and the other one, the transmuter systems. It seems that the Amar are actually trying to like keep the people trapped in there, which is kind of oh. weird. <clears throat> Either way, so the transmuters are turning on, and this and now the stellar data is being collected. Now, while we know what the gate is, we don't know what the research project is supposed to do. But the side that collects their information completes their research project. Now, CCP Fozzie gave an interview, or whatever, saying that this is actually part of the larger arc, that, you know, the people that do, that this will play into the next piece and the next piece, right, as we go through. And what they're really working towards is a new technology that the empires are working towards. So the question is, like... CCP has said that major features, especially, will now be introduced through this ARC system, right? So as this plays out, it will allow us to kind of get a clue as to what's coming and affect it in different ways, right? Like, do this, does the gate get built? Do the Mimitar finish their, their research project? By the way, right now with nothing changing, I think that both answers are no. So we'll have to see what happens. Really? Yes. Is it because there's like strong opposition both ways, or is it just not enough players are able to interact with these faction warfare systems? Well, no. Well, I mean, they're fully interactable, right? Like anybody can participate in either activity completely. You just can't do the war zone control. So, so I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure why the Mimitar side is like become so sluggish, but the Galente side is actually like giving a good show of it but the the fact that we have to turn in in Athanun you know the dangerous system like the heart of darkness as it were at this point in order to get our credit in a site that has no protection at all there's no gate it's a not even a dead space site anything can be there can be a loki there at any given time as soon as you walk up to give your ore pop so you know like it, it, it makes it a bit more challenging. 
the Kaldari have been incredibly aggressive, especially in the early phases of it. So they have they've taken a commanding lead. They will complete their gate probably within a few days. They're they're at least two thirds of the way done. Now we don't know when, exactly when the event ends, but Crimson Harvest pretty much needs to end or start on the 18th. So unless CCP is expecting to to do two events crossing at the same time, which they've never done before, that mean that would give it us a kind of a deadline for that this phase. So we'll have to see how that goes. So is this um, event kind of the new faction ships? I love them. Most of them. Yeah, they seem pretty cool. I just don't know if I'd spend the current prices on them. No, 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 no. This is right now. It, right now, it's like a rich boy toy exclusivity thing. Like the thing is, is that like, well, we'll have to see how available these are in the LP stores and stuff like that once the real faction warfare rebalance comes in in november right like right now there's there's an incredible like disparity on availability of the ships based on who's winning there aren't there aren't that consequently mimitar being so far behind means that basically there's none of the mimitar ships out there right you know, I haven't actually seen any of them. I've seen right. some of the others, but no Minimitar stuff. Right, because each ticket represents a quanta of progress, right? So the Minimitar have made the least progress. There's the least amount of tickets. So, yeah, it's going to have the least amount of ships. And if you notice, the ones like Kaldari and Amar are likely going to be the ones that are the most. Goodness, I can't, like, the ships are so new, they're not an EVE marketer yet, so I can't look up their market stats. I wish I could. They're, like, hundreds of millions for a friggin' hall. Ironically, they are uniquely good in this event, in particular, but they're probably far too expensive to use in this event. (laughs) Which is, yeah. But, either way, the question is, what is the tech that the empires are building why should we care at the beginning of the year ccp Rotati said that their top priority was the feature of allowing you know giving nullsec new options for customizing their space you know he, he mentioned maybe changing bonuses or even the availability of certain resources you know with a potentially a give you know a give and take kind of nature to it he then also a little while later said that that actually got deprioritized to move forward the structure rebalance. So that's what we got instead. But that still leaves that change pretty high up on that list. These transmuters affect local space-time around the star. And unlike the observatories, this does not just mean a bonus here and there like the the Edencom ones or the Triglavian ones in, in Pochvin. These things can mutate what is available within the system itself, right? Pochvin has Rakavine, Beznazine, and the one that I should definitely know, but I can't, I'm brain farting right now. You're um, talking about the, the special ores that are unique to Pochvin, right, right, exactly. And so that ore gives you large amounts of trit and the low-sec ore. Right. So, for instance, if your system could just spawn those, that would give you those resources. 
right? It may affect what sites spawn, right? Or something along those lines. But that really feels like where this is going. And while I didn't actually watch the interview in question, I was told by somebody that I, I believe that Fozzie even like hinted at that idea that like this is towards customization. So is the so, other ore type Talasonite? That's it. Thank you. Gotcha. And some other potential changes like just out of the blue or not really out of the blue, but tinfoil hatting going forward. Matterall joined the chat very briefly to, to point out and highlight what you mentioned about what's going on in faction warfare right now, which is with these stellar transmuters and all the chaos, Interbus is shutting down and that could impact Shutting down is a strong sensing. word. Well, they're being disrupted, let's no, say. Yeah, so there was a meeting, and that meeting ended with the four diplomats all leaving without coming to any agreements. So that's the state it's in. Classic. So my question then is, these stellar transmuters, a lot of people are imagining them as something you'd put up in your space to build up your space. Would there be an option for either taking over a stellar transmuter or building one in hostile space to turn off the asset safety there? So the tinfoil hat that the, any disruption to inner bus is it, it could be represented as a, a change to asset safety is delicious. I agree. However, it is worth noting that one of the features that we are getting is the heraldry system. And the heraldry system is the point system that we get for that is inner bus points. So what is more likely is that this crisis is going to trigger a new program within Interbus that works with us Capsuleers to provide goods for the war front, basically, right? Which is the, oh, why we turn in the equipment. That was the why whole we go five do players, four players thing. So for those who don't right. recall, there was a big player outrage when CCP introduced the Prospector Pack, which is a pack you could purchase, which gave you some game time and other rewards, but it also gave you a retriever and some fittings of memory serves. And everybody was like, we're just creating assets out of nowhere. People can buy them with money. Not a good thing. And CCP's response was to promise that in the future, those sorts of packs, the ships that would be given out, would all be sourced from players. And this created a whole bunch of flurry of discussion about how that would impact the economy. Are you effectively creating a price floor for any goods that CCP buys from the players to give out in these packs? And the heraldry system was sort of a way around that. They'll sort of let you turn in any ships or assets or that sort of thing for this program, get those heraldry points, which will turn into special skins for your ship or your citadel and other various pieces there way cooler than skins but yes way cooler like, than skins basically What's your favorite the, the, the heraldry system is a whole new particle system like it it's things that come off of your ship right as opposed to a skin which is like a texture change so they would actually go in tandem with each other you can likely you will potentially i guess i should say to be conservative set a skin and a heraldry or multiple heraldries right i i do want to temper our expectations though which is that while they've said that we're getting heraldry the only thing that they've shown is the alliance logo hologram on the uh, the ship they showed it in the trailer and they showed it they have a picture of it in the blog but i would assume that if they 
knew for a fact that they were going to like have a an extensive heraldry system on launch, then they might be showing off some of that stuff now. So I would be conservative and just assume that what we're getting is our alliance logos on ships as a stage one. And then we'll see as we go on. Yeah, I can't imagine them not doing things like adding symbols of Kaldari megacorps or Amar houses. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was all kinds of cool ideas. They had one that was like, it's different based on how many kill marks you have. And like, they, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing system. It has tons of potential. I hope it works out because it's a way that we can, you know, they can sell ships, which is good for several reasons. It doesn't actually impact our market because what CCP is offering is not comparable, right? Because the thing is, is that nothing from the heraldry system can be traded or sold. You can donate points to your alliance, so that way your alliance can buy something. But everything's locked to whatever buys it. So this thing cannot have any ISK value. So if you have a ship, you can either get ISK value out of it, or you can get interbus points, if that's the ship, ship type they're asking for right now, for example. I mean, there's a part of my brain that wants to point out that there is an ISK value for turning in heraldry, because there's the opportunity cost of the ISK you could have gotten, but that's another story. No, but I mean, like, there's no ISK value to the heraldry itself. I can't, I can't put a value... Yes, I give up that ISK, but I can't tell you how much ISK worth of heraldry I get from it. You get what I'm saying? Fair enough, yes. So right. uh, there is an interesting final piece, though. In the systems of Amy and Samanuni, there are new, new, structure, new sites spawning every few days, basically. These are called construction sites, and they are building different things. I think at least one of them on each side has completed so far. So we don't actually know all of the different structures that are coming, but it's like we see it's fortifications, laboratories, checkpoints, new mini structures or stations or something like that. You know, these sorts of things are being deployed there. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the ones that are empty have POS sticks in them as one of the models. Now, that POS stick was in Hobelix, and it's now called like Kaldari Tower, you know, do not translate because it's not actually shown to anybody. So, but before it was that, it had its, you know, internal name, which was post event dash, no, listening post dash event. So that could mean a couple things. Uh, first, it could mean nothing. Second, it could mean that this is something that's going to happen post-event, i.e. after this event. But it could also be something that's going to be part of a future event that is interpreted as the listening post-event. If we continue to see infrastructure build up, it might be worth considering whether or not we're going to get new structures that might become our new systems if they take away local, for example, right? This is, will be a new tool that could be used instead. So I would, I, will, I would keep at least up to date with what is being built in those systems because 
now the systems adjacent to those systems have also begun getting construction yards. And at least one of them on both sides is at one of the stars. So if they continue to like build their own infrastructure, it might be worth really paying attention to. But either way, it's probably going to be noteworthy soon enough. That's awesome. And we talked a little bit during the last show about how you can sort of get involved with pushing forward these various campaigns. But Ash, you also put together a a pretty comprehensive list of the different events going on, how to participate in them, and even some suggested fits, right? I actually never got got to nail down suggested fits because in the end, it's been so much chaos that that doesn't really exist. But... Yeah, it has the lore behind it. It has all the rules. I actually need to go down and update them again with some of the new stuff. But I've been updating it pretty regularly. And if there's like a world news about it or a New Eden news update about it with the lore or whatever, that I, I post them there too. Awesome. So I don't... I Oh, also about those Triglavian sites I mentioned within the Galente Caldari side. I don't know when they're going to come. They might happen after this whole thing, you know, and you know the, the Crimson Harvest, you know, so like next month as a ramp up to the actual pe- expansion. But Totality Day is on the 13th. That'd be a really good time to have a new phase with Triglavian sites start spawning. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Goodness, can you imagine the farming that would take place if the, the Pochfen sites started showing up? Well, I don't know if I'd... Well, Dread sites. I don't know. Either way, the... But these data sites, you should be able to turn them in for the same tokens. So this will be an additional way to get tokens to turn in to get the faction ships. Which may be partially to alleviate pressure of the fact that the Galente have been kind of held down and Nugid for the first half of this. All right, okay. Don't hold back now. <laughs> well, I mean, I am guilt. No, so basically what happened, what actually happened was the Calmill being, there There are several very organized, very powerful forces within the state militia that are uh, our peers, right? Like Ired being one of them. So they took it very seriously. Like I said, they've, they have done their job i watched them for the entire first day and they would they had a gate camp and they were camping the the galente turn in but they wouldn't kill you they would just notify you that it was illegal to turn in the galente ore and if they jettisoned it they could go turn in their caldari ore and that they would be protected within surthud as long as they're mining caldari ore and they really did like push this out that's why they've made so much progress is that they have been organized and interested. Galente is comparatively being more, I I guess, tactical. They are looking to the expansion. What we know is, is that we're going to be getting a frontline system in which systems that are adjacent to uh, your enemy system, so a Galente system is adjacent to Caldari system, or any system that's adjacent to that system, those systems are vulnerable. And the only way to really keep them pretty darn safe is to have them be a rear guard with a two-system buffer from any Caldari system. So there's been a lot of focus by the Galente to let, like, they, they're happy to let them throw all their effort at that because it allows them to get some work done. So like they took Vlil and 
been doing some other stuff because they're trying to get a more strategic position moving forward. So it's just two different strategies. But we have actually seen, like the Galente have been getting faster over time, but they are way behind. Right on. All right, are there any other final thoughts we have on the upcoming faction warfare system, the ongoing events, potential things coming for the future? Epic. I thought we had a pretty a pretty detailed and thorough discussion as well. So that's a yeah, lot of I was stuff. Say, to I think I, to. I think I blew all of my load on that one. No, I think that's even that I want to actually just reinforce that those last few things, the listening post and and that stuff is all highly speculative. Right. None of this is for sure. Even the we have no actual like evidence of the there's being given to the players yet. This is tea leaf stuff. I just want to make sure that that's understood by everybody. I mean, I am all for it. And hopefully with the coming of Crimson Harvest and Totality Day, we might know sooner rather than later. All right. Well, and I'm Ash- happy to be wrong. That's fine. I just so I've you know, I've hyped people up before. And then when it wasn't true, they blame CCP for having hyped it up. Like with the Stargate project, I take personal responsibility for that because I was the one that said that even though CCP before the event started actually said it wouldn't be that way. So I'm trying to avoid that. I mean, players are going to be salty no matter what. So don't don't stress about it. It's okay. Just enjoy the game. Enjoy the lore. Enjoy the tinfoil hattery if that's what you would like to do. And thank you for sharing with us some various ways to enjoy the game from the lore and RP side of things, Gregor. And it sounds like you're having a good time up there with those brawls next Tech 7. Yep. Certainly some more capital fights going down south. So we w- we here on Talking in Stations will continue to keep you updated as these events unfold. Make sure to tune in next Sunday. I think the, the last of the Alliance Tournament trials happened today. So we should be back to normal time next week. We will see yeah, there was then. some good stuff on today. No on spoilers. Today. No spoilers. Don't do it. Go watch, but no spoilers. Yeah. So one of the things that I forgot to mention about the fighting in X-Tac 7 yesterday is, well, last night I went to check on the prices for some, some of the stuff that I sell in my own personal industry projects, which are mainly reactions. And after, it looks like in Jita, someone, after seeing that a lot of paladins died, bought up a material that is all the sell orders for material used in Amar Tech 2 production. Oh. Terahertz metamaterials, which... Totally a coincidence. That's something that I make, so I you guess that's penny. good for me. Awesome. All but, right, well... Lots Lordy, of... I would never tip anybody off like as I'm making something. Oh man, you're a better man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll, I mostly trade it with two various, a lot of tech two producers in my home regions, since I don't, I don't find the added cost of exporting to Jita, even if I can sell for higher prices in Jita, to be worth the worth it. So Fair I think. Enough. I think that this mostly affects people who are building outside of large sub of holding coalitions who don't have substantial industry bases. Real quick, I assume that I can't just launch into a whole nother real quick topic, right? Like we're past that. I mean, what do you got? Yori just triggered my trap card. (laughs) 
Uh-oh. Or was it Yori? No, uh, sorry, Heretical Coffee, saying Triggs should be in Faction Warfare, because that just reminded me about another half of this whole thing. Which Let's is, make um, it quick. Give us the TLDR. Yeah, no, no, it's it's simple, which is that we most players think of the Triglavian Collective as one collective, but it's really actually three different factions. And as they said, when they came to Pochvin, the flow shall cleave and proving shall begin anew. So the, the actual clades have been fighting inter, between themselves since then. They don't actually like each other. So each of the empires have been dealing with the Triglavians in different ways, including overtures of diplomacy. So it could very well be that we see a more of the division between the clades and maybe even different empires aligning with different clades. Oh, that sounds very interesting. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd also like tinfoil. I'd like to see some of the pirate factions get, get involved in faction warfare too. I mean, that's well, sort that's, of the I classic mean, so what timeline, they said was, isn't it? They, yeah, so what they said is is that the allegiance system, which is coming like first quarter next year, is going to start with the empires, but the goal is to perfect the system and then also, you know, include the pirate factions potentially with it. And besides, we all know that as soon as the empire factions have technology, it's going to get stolen by the pirate factions. It's just the way that Eve works. <laughs> no, sometimes when the pirate factions get technology get stolen by the empires just look at the scorpion we we all just like to share okay we're just one big happy new eden family sharing our knowledge and technology with a little bit of fighting in the mix so it's okay all right i'm gonna call it there thank you very much Ashtarathi, for joining us and giving us your insights gregorin thank you as well thank you to the very lively chat we've had today we once again will see you this coming sunday at 1600 hopefully we'll have some news about what happened on totality day or at least keep an eye out on the Eden eden forums and of course reddit and the various social medias for any events that are ongoing all right thank you very much for joining us see you next time